You're listening to Death of the Reader, and coming in 12th place this review season is our biggest outlier for 2023, Death and the Seaside by Alison Moore. Not a murder mystery, as such, but still a mysterious metafictional tale of a writer, her landlord, her character, and their trauma. We came to it on the recommendation of Alex Pavesi, exploring the ways it shaped his novel, Eight Detectives. Bonnie Falls is a writer recently moved out of home, recently dropped out of university, recently moved into the ground floor apartment owned by Sylvia Slythe. Our story heals over between Bonnie and Sylvia's life, as far from the coast as one can get, and Bonnie's fictional character Susan, who lives in Seatown, as much a ghost town haunted by the sea as it is a coastal retreat. Finding a manuscript lying about and curious about her new tenant, Sylvia coaxes Bonnie into discussing her fiction over tea. Sylvia presents herself as a literary mentor to Bonnie, but there's no attempt on Allison's part to distract you from the harpoon cable slowly reeling Bonnie in. Laden with both emotional and physical baggage, Bonnie's apartment and the shared courtyard with Sylvia are the physical center of the story. Cupboards are packed with unloved memorabilia, records with no player, and vestiges of a departed optimism. You know that the baggage of the past holds the answers to the questions the book wants you to ask, but don't quite know the question yet. It's uncomfortable, but nobody is dead so far. As daunting parallels between Bonnie and her character Susan creak from the deck, realities blur and you start to wonder whether Susan's drowning is Bonnie's past or future. It's rare to find a book that writes its own review, even more so one that writes it far enough in that you might almost consider it spoilers, but there is so much to love about the way Alison, through the voice of her characters, analyzes her own text. As Sylvia reads Bonnie's work, there's a too knowledgeable aura to her responses, as though she somehow wrote it herself. The story makes academia and analysis alarming, as Sylvia tacks from concise little comments to sharp lightning bolts that thunder through Bonnie's consciousness. The story drills you, as much as Sylvia drills Bonnie, on why one would even write fiction at all. Is writing just an indication of time you could have wasted doing something more important with your life? Is there some facet of an author's soul that they just can't be honest with, that has to escape on the printed page? Does writing only come from trauma? These questions howl through the story, almost criticizing the book's existence. Except, they're all coming from the obvious villain, so you shouldn't believe her. Right? As Bonnie and Sylvia's relationship grows ever more uncomfortable, the cast opens up. We celebrate birthdays and meet more friends and family. Although, the book does such a horrifically enjoyable job at making you wish you hadn't. If you're the sort of reader who tries to keep your birthday as much to yourself as possible, you'll probably be thinking of this book the next time someone busts down the door with a gift you swear they must have gotten for someone else. Whose parents side with the landlord anyway? When a friendly relationship turns opportunistic, you almost find yourself believing that Sylvia may actually be the friend she tells Bonnie she is. At least in comparison. Another engaging facet of the mystery is the way it adapts its very obvious character roles into a unique question for our field. It's not who done it, not how catch him. It's more why done it cross what have you done? Is the story ever going to escalate? Are there machinations waiting in the wings? And why is everything so palpably uncomfortable? 
The story is loaded with conundrums that can feel obvious, but makes you enjoy pondering them. As is often the case with metafiction, it gets you thinking about the fiction you read, but in a much more unsettling and uncomplicated way. Especially through the lens of crime fiction, there are fascinating considerations that you'll find yourself mulling over, like why it's the worst part of a fictional world that makes for such invigorating reading. There are no answers, but reconsidering yourself is the great feat of metafiction, a pinnacle joy of art whose brows extend above its forehead. In particular, there's a tantalizing link between the question of identity raised about Susan and Bonnie. The story indirectly poses you the question of which of them is real, and, as is often the case in metafiction, the answer to such a binary question is the third option. You might find there is nothing revolutionary about Death in the Seaside, but Allison has executed the exact sort of unsettling ponderance that keeps creeping their way onto the show, because they're just so interesting to discuss. It's quite the achievement that this book manages to get so much out of so few pages compared to the other monsters we tend to find on our to-read piles these days. Death in the Seaside may be our biggest outlier for the year in some ways, but it's right at home in others. The hallmarks of crime fiction's plays on character relations, looming questions, and drenching atmosphere will leave you seeking out fiction like it, perhaps so much that you write your own book inspired by it. It takes out 12th place on our review season recommendations for 2023, but also has the unique honor of shaping a lot of the criticism for the rest of the list. As with many metafictions, they're not going to be universally appealing, but they are always fascinating. Death in the Seaside is out with Salt Publishing. You're listening to Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour on 2SER 107.3.